0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcast from, we are there. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on New Year's. Eve, a Tuesday, no podcast tomorrow, by the way, Um, but we'll be back the remainder of the week. We got a couple of things we need to cover because it is a fun time to be a Pelicans fan right now. We're going to talk about Lonzo Ball, who just had his best game as a pro, maybe as Uh, In his career, yeah, as a pro, certainly as a member of the Pelicans. We'll dive into his improved play over this four-game winning streak. We're going to take a look at the Pelicans' playoff chances. Is that what we're doing now all of a sudden? Well, yes and no, and I'll explain why. And then finally, we've got a bit of an update on what Zion's return might be and also kind of the state of the team with the defense just a little bit from a, secondhand, or a first-hand report of a chalk talk that they do for season ticket holders before game from Pelicans GM Trajan Langdon. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, so Lonzo Ball, the Pelicans kind of maligned at times, point guard, had his best game probably in his career against the Houston Rockets in a Pelicans win their fourth straight, I'm not playing the sound effects today, where he finished with uh, 27 points on the night, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. They credited him with two other assists to give him a triple-double in this game after a couple of stat corrections, so uh, that was a pretty good day for him, I think you could say. Hit seven threes, was 10 of 20 from the field overall and just basically kind of sparkling had three turnovers but you'll live with that had two steals and played very very good defense so he's kind of come alive as of late after being maybe a bit of a maddening player for the first 30 games or so of his tenure here in new orleans maybe 25 since there were some injuries and other things that kind of went on with him too but this is good to see And this does a lot for the team, and we'll kind of get into all of that, but over the past five games, Lonzo's numbers are 14.2 points per game, seven rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.8 steals. He's doing it, shooting 42.2% from the field, which is really good for him, and then 47% from three. That's great for anybody. So his shot is really starting to come along, and particularly the three-point shot. And if you look at it over the past couple of games, He's shooting the ball incredibly, incredibly well. Um, He is 11 of 20 over the past two games. It's pretty good. You can't really say anything other than that when it comes to him right now. Clearly, he's feeling his shot a little bit more, and that moving of the release point has helped him kind of get this off just a little bit quicker. I don't know how consistent it's going to be going forward, but you're certainly seeing some improvement. And you know what? Simply put, that is saying something, and we will take it. So with Lonzo Ball and that shot going well, things open up a little bit more for him. And that shooting really means you can keep him on the court throughout the game and pair him next to Drew Holiday. We've seen the Pelicans struggle in crunch time a lot because they lack shooting out there on the court, or they don't have the right kind of guys out there, or Drew Holiday's playing point guard, which is what he doesn't want to be doing during that time. When Lonzo's shooting well, you can put him out there in the final five minutes of a game alongside Drew Holiday and then unlock Drew Holiday from that, and, well, just everything is better and he's a credible threat out there and teams you can see are guarding him further out on the perimeter rather than just letting him stand wide open and daring him to shoot we've seen that work the pelicans did it to him last season when he was with the lakers it's not great because it just clogs the paint and mucks up the spacing of an offense but now that he's a credible shooter at least during this stretch you're seeing teams defend him that way and that opens up the pelicans offense a little bit more The offense is also working because he's been much more aggressive. This is not a great half-court offense team. When they get out in transition, they're awesome. And Ball is probably the guy who pushes transition on this team more than anyone else does, which is why he's so valuable to have for your New Orleans Pelicans and getting out and just kind of having the identity that they want to have and being the team that they want to be. Now, with him pushing in transition, that's great. But in the half-court... It's been a bit of a struggle, a lot of step-back threes, just kind of shots early on in the shot clock that you don't want to see, but it looks like they're valuing possessions a little bit more. And if you look at some of the numbers, Ball is being much more aggressive. He's driving during this four-game winning streak 7.3 times per game. That's up from his five during the, uh, the entirety of the regular season. It may not seem like much, and it's not a huge difference, but gone from seven to five or from five to seven is big, at times less than that. It's showing the aggression, which means his confidence is growing on the offensive side like that. Now he doesn't finish around the rim particularly well, doesn't like to get fouled and go to the free throw line either, but you know what? It breaks down the defense a little bit and kind of creates for others, and that's kind of what you want to see from him. He also does run their offense at times in the half court well in the pick and roll and can get the ball to guys very, very quickly. So all of that has been pretty good. Defensively, too, he's been ending possessions more, and it seems like he's just trying to finish out plays versus kind of half-assing at times, which he was doing. And you've seen it. The defended field goal percentage that he goes out and has against him has dropped 6%. That could be a big deal. And he's throwing teams off now by getting his arms out there in the passing lanes, contesting shots more, and just hustling on that side of the ball which is turned into those transition opportunities. So again, it's a bit of a holistic thing. Uh, one informs the other. And so you're seeing him play incredibly well, and you're seeing the team kind of feed off of that, getting out in transition, running the way they want to. And he pushed that pace in the fourth quarter of the game against the Houston Rockets, grabbing 14, or leading the team to get 14 points in the fast break. That's really good. That's what you want to see from this team and not something they've been doing consistently. And that's certainly much better than the fourth quarter offense we've been seeing. So he's been great over these past couple of games. It looks like some of this stuff is sustainable. Two more drives per game isn't a whole lot. You can do that. The one thing I do worry about here is, does he fall in love with that three-point shot? This can happen to NBA players. I think it was Antoine Walker when they asked him, why do you shoot so many threes? He goes, because there are no fours. And that was a big man who was shooting threes before they kind of became in vogue in the league and then found his way out of the league, basically, because of that. So you don't want Lonzo Ball to fall in love with that three-point shot and think he can hit it, you know, to the tune of 7 of 12 every night. He's probably not that good. But can he hit, you know, 3 of 9? Probably. Can he do a little bit more than that? Yeah, probably 2. Maybe 3 of 8. That would be great. Um, so we'll see. But... You don't want him necessarily falling in love with the three-point shot to the tune of not doing whatever else he should be doing on offense, which is being aggressive, which is playing in the pick and roll and trying to find those role men. We'll see if that becomes a problem, but it seems like the coaching staff is really starting to get through to these guys in a way we haven't seen all season. So you have to feel pretty good that that won't happen. So we'll look at the Pelicans playoff chances coming up here in just a moment, but before we do that, today's show brought to you by Calm. We talk a lot about physical fitness, but there's another side of the game that's just as important, and I'm talking about mental fitness. We've even seen that with Jaleel Okafor here, and we can kind of know a little bit more firsthand how important that is to NBA players. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is, is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. And LeBron even says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. Rest is so important in the NBA and just in general in life now that, yeah, you probably want to spend a little bit more time on it. And right now, if you head to calm.com, C-A-L-M.com slash NBA, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves like rain or leaves and so much more like sleep stories and Meditations. And for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in, in using Calm with a 40% discount at an annual membership at com.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at com.com, C A L M dot com slash locked on That's com.com slash locked on NBA. Playoffs? Yes, we're going to be talking about playoffs right here and the Pelicans' chances, because you know what? They're kind of in the mix more so than they were a couple of days ago, which I guess is really nice to see, though certainly by any stretch of means not in the playoffs whatsoever or even maybe likely to make the playoffs. But you know what? They're only three and a half games back of the eighth seed in the Western Conference, the eighth seed who happens to be the San Antonio Spurs right now. The problem is... They're not sitting in the ninth or tenth spot. They're sitting in the fourteenth out of fifteenth spot in terms of the Western Conference playoff race and playoff standings. That means there's one, two, three, four, five teams outside of the playoffs looking in ahead of them. And then you've got to put in the Spurs there too, which makes it six total that they would need to leapfrog to get into that eighth spot should the season end, you know, soon. Now, it's not impossible to do it just means that there's a whole lot more outside of the pelicans control than you would like you know a couple years ago when they traded for demarcus cousins and it was could the pelicans get into the playoffs and they were chasing denver that was like the only other team that they really needed to jump was the denver nuggets not so much you know five teams six teams or so that's when things start to really become outside of your control and when yeah that could lead to a lot of disappointment Look at the Saints getting the third seed here instead of the one or the two, and you go into the final day of the regular season needing, at one point, Green Bay to lose, but then maybe Green Bay to win, then Seattle to definitely win, and all of these kind of crazy things. And while they took care of what they needed to do and completely smoked the Carolina Panthers— well, it didn't end up really mattering in the end because they're still the three seed with a 13-3 and three record, which is complete garbage. So that's the kind of situation the Pelicans may find themselves in just a little bit here. That it doesn't matter that you have 14 of 15 games against teams outside of the playoffs looking in, and so your final schedule is pretty easy, and nine of those are at home. It matters that you can win all of those, but if some of the other teams that you need to jump also win their games well then you're still on the outside looking in you're not in the playoffs and that's why I caution maybe let's not talk about the games behind situation just yet but how many teams are in front of the Pelicans and six sounds a little bit worse than three and a half particularly because those six could be winning some games now I'm not going to rule them out going to the playoffs here. You look at the Phoenix Suns at 13 and 20, it's not great. The Memphis Grizzlies at 13 and 21, you don't trust either of those two teams. The Minnesota Timberwolves at 12 and 20 are about to enter a whole new realm of drama that we know all too well here in New Orleans when it comes to Carl Anthony Towns and him supposedly being pretty unhappy up there. You guys are in for a treat, Minnesota, when it comes to that. The Kings are 12 and 21 and dealing with a whole host of issues, too. The Spurs, who are the eighth seed right now, at 13 and 18, so well under 500, don't really inspire a ton of confidence. So, this all is to say, yeah, you could jump a lot of these teams. And if the Pelicans keep their recent level of play up, they should jump those, te- uh, those teams. But we'll see if that remains. But it's still a long shot. Now, 538 has them at a 42% chance to make the playoffs, and that actually puts them basically as the 8th seed in the Western Conference. I'm not ready to go that far yet, and a lot of times I don't like some of these um, type of projections and things because... One, their formulas are kind of weird. They don't take into account a lot of other things. Um, But look, things are better than they were four games ago. Better than they were six games ago. That is certainly a thing. But I think it's probably premature to look at the end of the schedule for the Pelicans, considering we've seen them lose to really bad teams, too. So just because you have an easy schedule at the end of the season, well, you've lost to the Warriors twice, We've lost to some other bad teams, too. I don't necessarily know that that is reflective of everything when you haven't been able to consistently take care of business against those types of franchises. You've got to jump so many teams, and that can be tough. Now, again, the bottom of the West is pretty putrid, and that eighth spot, you can get in maybe, maybe around a 500 record or so. We'll see. But that gives us hope. That means we can actually have this discussion a little bit on the podcast when, you know, a week ago, we weren't really going to be able to do it. So cool to see the Puggins three and a half games back, but six teams separating them between where they are and the eighth spot. So don't forget to subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday when it's not the holidays, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. It's been a lot of fun recently. Zion Williamson is going to be coming back sooner rather than later, and we've got a bit of an update on that for you all. So make sure wherever you get your podcast from, subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review with a quick comment, makes a big difference, helps keep this free in five days a week for you all. So the Pelicans for season ticket holders, another reason to buy season tickets, have a number of benefits, and one of them is sometimes you get to go to chalk talks with some of the people from the front office or the coaching staff, and it sounds like Trajan Langdon had one on Saturday or Sunday night before the game, speaking to a group of around 200 or so season ticket holders at the arena. A couple of interesting things, and this comes as a report from at Ty Nola Five. Um, and he says that Derek, uh, that Trajan Langdon said at the um, and this comes from a Twitter thread of his by the way the coaching staff went to the players a few practices before the losing streak ended and asked what they liked and didn't like about the defense Drew, Favors, and JJ got together and voiced the team's thought on, thoughts on defense during practice in front of everyone and the coaching staff adjusted their style based on what the players wanted to do the players have now have more ownership over the defense and they're responding well so this is interesting. This is both good and bad. So it's good that the coaching staff went to the players and were like, Can you, are you guys having trouble executing the scheme and what we're trying to do? And the answer was, yeah. And that three of the more veteran guys on the team, uh, Drew, Favors, and Reddit go up and go, this is what we think would work. This is what's going to play to our strengths. And the coaching staff adjusted. The fact that they went to those guys, listened to them, and then adjusted based on what the players said is a good thing. I don't know if it's great that they waited that long to go to the players about it when, you know, they were in the midst of a big losing streak. And if it's a couple of games before the losing streak ended, maybe they were on 9, 10, 11 losses in a row before. Hey, maybe we need to talk to our guys a little bit. But you know what? They've kind of pulled it out. The defense is looking good right now. So maybe we can kind of leave it at that. But this is smart, and this is how it should be, and Gentry's known as a bit of a player's coach, so the fact that he's going to his guys, taking into account what they're saying, has got to give you a little bit more confidence in the coaching staff and how things are going with the team. Could have been done earlier? Yeah, probably would have been a good thing. But you know what? We'll, we'll take what we can get here. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see. And makes a lot of sense about all of this. And Gentry recently spoke about the drop scheme that they're doing now, um, pulling Derek Favors down low. And a lot of it maybe has to do with his return, too, versus uh, changing earlier. And we talked about it on yesterday's podcast, too. The new scheme has been working, and though it's a little bit less aggressive by design, it's freeing up these guys to be more aggressive. So things have been Pretty good with that. The big update, according to Trajan Langdon, and of course, this is, you know, I wasn't there, uh, but I trust this guy. And these things tend to be pretty open and honest, knowing that some things will get reported out of there. Also said that the plan for Zion is to return to practice on Thursday. That's going to be in two days and start to ramp up from there. If the 2-3 to practice timeline from the ESPN article is correct, Zion should play his first game by mid-January. And I think that's kind of been what we've all expected. Mid to late January return for Zion, probably on a minute's restriction to start, and eventually kind of ease him into things. I don't know if he'll be playing on back-to-backs or second night of back-to-backs, but it's not like they have a ton of those in the first place. So, cool to get the report from at TyNola5. Thank you for putting that out there. Um, And yeah... Happy to see that Zion's going to be returning. Very good to see that they're listening and working together, the coaches and the players. It's just good times all around here when it comes to your New Orleans Pelicans as we close out 2020. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Do I get to make the terrible joke of that's going to do it for this decade of Locked on Pelicans? That's the last episode of the decade for Locked on Pelicans. Yes, it's dumb and stupid, but it's also true. So all of you have a happy new year. No podcast tomorrow as always i'm your host jake madison at nola jake on twitter be back with you all on the second